TJ, PK, and David Locke join us. David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, David. That was a little over the top. <laughs> well, you know, I do a yoga and a meditation every morning before I talk to you guys, so I'm fully prepared for this conversation in the right state of mind. You know, today, I just feel blissful to be able to talk to you. You're going to say hi to PK or you're going to waste all that bliss? No, why would I do that? I was told you I was excited to talk to you. I didn't mention a damn thing about him. <laughs> well, I don't win any awards like the City Weekly that DJ's won like 18 years Did in a row. Did you win again? Great... Yeah, again. He's the best again? freaking reporter. Yeah, again, again, again. Like, is yeah. there any creativity? I mean, uh, dynasties are boring. Large market talents and small market seems unfair. You're probably tampering. Jeez, fake elections, all these things, DJ. Yeah, but I got Gordon Hayward to opt out, so I'm going to be okay. Uh, Daddy's not happy in Boston. Clearly. So are you more excited by free agents? He might just not Not be be happy. happy. Right, yeah. Uh, I think he's going to need, I think, by the way, if he is still the same person driven by the same things that he was driven by when I mean, I've talked to him twice, right, since he left, um, maybe once. Um, I think New York's a real play. I think the idea of being the star in New York is will will, will get into New York. I think I think New York is Atlanta winning in Atlanta, which they aren't really doing compared to like the star of New York and the chance to be, you know. That's what drives him. What drives him is his spot in the league, and um, that's my guess. Hmm. I was curious if you're more excited right now by uh, the uh, draft and everything that came out of that and all the trades and who the Jazz got, or if you're more fired up about free agency and what's about to happen this weekend. So, I mean, just personally, I like the draft the most – I just think it's really fun, and I like watching the players and trying, like you know, the game of the draft. Um, but it's not lost on me that the three teams that I think had the best draft are the Portland Trailblazers, who traded their pick for Robert Covington, the L.A. Clippers, who got Luke Kennard for Landry Shamit through a three-way deal that involved a pick, and the Dallas Mavericks, who got Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. So I mean I'm not I, I'm not lost on the concept that um, you know the way you get better is this not not the um, not the draft uh, maybe long term you know you find that important piece but if we're going to become you know I I think at some point we actually have to open our ears and listen to Dennis Lindsay. Justin Zanuck, and David Morway. And when all three of them have said the exact same thing at a different point in a pr- different three different press conferences, that we slip to, they're using 13th, I think is their number. I thought it was 11th, as the defensive-rated team in the league. And we need to fix that. Um, that's what they're here to do this week. And this is the, and clearly, they've told us what the goal is. And, you know, that's, that's what they, that's the plan. Um, so you know what that's how we're going to do it. And the thirteenth, by the way, is the 
uh, NBA stats number. I didn't mean to say that's the wrong number. I just use cleaning the glass a lot, and I think we were 11th. But um, so yeah, so th- that's that's you know that's the mantra, and we're, we weren't like we got a little bit better defensively in the draft if Azubuke can play, um, and if he's ready, I would hope he is at 22 years old and that big. But maybe maybe not. Maybe we go grab somebody who can play the five and the four right now, um, and make sure that that's the case. Um, and and then we've gotten better defensively. If we can slide Boyan to some minutes at the three um, and get big again, then we get better. Can we be still be the best offense in the league that we were? That'll be the question. So do you find any sort of karma in terms of your favorite build bar is mint, brownie, and orange? And then the draft, draft they draft Elijah Lew, uh, Hughes from the orange. Do you see any any karma there? I appreciate you listening to my podcast, though. I'm really honored and flattered. <laughs> well, you do the ad on our station a thousand times over, too. <laughs> oh, I do that, too. Oh, I thought you actually listened to the podcast. I thought maybe, I thought maybe you had decided that, my, that while you probably, in your heart of hearts, mock me slightly for it, um, <laughs> that you thought that considering the fact that I was spending my evenings watching college athletes on old games that took place prior to March... Um, that maybe you would tune in and listen so that there was some value to it, but maybe I guess of not. Of course, I, I, I just do. had a moment. To, I had a moment of like blitz. Like I was really feeling good about myself there. I just want to pump up where I get work. my paycheck from too. So I hey, mean, come on. I'm all for. I, I, I'm I'm a big promoter of 97.5 and 1280. The zone. I'm, I'm Me all too. for. <laughs> and I hope to be for several years. But we had and Tim, Tim Lacombe. Tim, Laco- and Tim Lacombe's draft coverage was fabulous. It really was. It was second to yours, but uh, it was just spectacular. Um, we had on Bayheim, and he just repeated like three or four times that Elijah Hughes can get his own shot. I'm excited about the guy. Well, I mean, so it's it's true. Here are the numbers on it. It's incredible. So Elijah Hughes this year in college. So there's two reasons why he had to get his own shot. One is because Jim Bayheim doesn't run anything offensively. Like you could ask him that. Like, but. So, so Elijah Hughes had 144 isolation attempts this year in college. Okay, so like, what does that mean? Well, the next closest of any player that was in the top 50 of the draft class was Grant Riller out of Charleston at 108, and the next closest after that was Kyra Lewis, who's a point guard coming in isolation off switches at 79, and Anthony Edwards at 73. And this kid was at 144. He was two times the third and fourth most uh, guys in the league, and he was pretty good at it. Then you go down to the number that I actually think is most relevant for a player like this because their um, their life's going to change, and that is the unguarded catch and shoot. Like he got very few unguarded catch and shoots because there weren't many offensive players on that team. And he shot 82 percentile. He was in the 82 percentile, 67 percent effective field goal percentage on unguarded catch and shoot opportunities. And then let's go to the next part, which is where the league's going, which is you got to be able to create your own your own look every now and then. He took 120 shots off the bounce last year. With uh, he was in the 72nd percentile while taking the only player that took more than him was that same kid out of Charleston, Grant Riller, who was like 27 years old and better than every player he was playing. And the only other one, the only few others that were similar to him were um, Malachi Flynn, Jaden McDaniels, 
and um, Desmond Bain, and Bain was better than all of them. He shot it. Uh, he shot it really, really well. But that's it. And so he was unique at being able to get his own shot off, and really shot it pretty well too, frankly. Um, so that is his skill at six six and two twenty. And there's a you know the thing I just go back to all the time in this league is you know I know measurements are boring. And it's so much more fun to find the guy who's not the measurements. And it's great to pretend that, like, Larry Bird didn't have athleticism. Hmm. And all the, you know what the truth is, though? Like, go look on the NBA rosters and, like, put a little graph, like, 6'5", six, 6'8", six, and put, like, 2'10", to 230. And there's, like, 80 players. Like, that's what the league is. It's athletes. And this kid's a little bit, a little bit, um ground heavy at times and maybe needs a second foot to jump and his, some of his room finishing isn't great. Um, his transition numbers were super good though, which is kind of open floors tells me, you know, if you know how to use your body um, and, and maybe honestly at 22 in college, you should be able to do that. So like, let's not blow him up too big, but there's, you know, that, that size just matters. And that's the guys who survive in this league. What'd you think of that as a um, you know, again, uh, he's going to play in the league. He's seven feet with a seven, seven wingspan. Um, he's got a 41 inch vertical jump. He's got a 37 standing. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, it's important for the jazz to be able to play the same style of defense for 48 and frankly, offense for 48 minutes. Um, this was the best guy on the draft who does those things. Um, his offensive range is four feet. His little jump, folks, actually looks okay. Um, you know, guys aren't going to be able to – if everyone starts switching defensively like the Rockets did a few years ago, you know, one you're gonna, he's going to be able to just roll to the basket and punish somebody. You're going to throw it up to him, and he's going to go get it. Um, and he's going he's gonna to punish you for that. Um, you know, how he stays on the floor, his team spread him out, will be a challenge. And, um, you know, the free-throw shooting has had – that type of free throw shooting has had a negative impact on players in the league at all positions where they alter their game to avoid taking free throws. Um, from conversations that I had yesterday with people that know the Kansas program and that are close to it, that is, does not sound like who Azabuke is, that he would be bothered like that. But we have seen it from DeAndre Jordan, you know, gets rid of a rebound as though it's a hot potato. Lonzo Ball is scared of contact right now because he doesn't want to go to the line. We, we've seen this over time. That poor free throw shooting of that nature um, has had a negative impact on players' um, want to do things that will get them to the line. That would be, you know, let's hope that's not the case. Does this sort of signal that the Jazz aren't interested in a five who can shoot threes, which is sort of somewhat in vogue in the league? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think they really, really, truly believed that Azabuke was the best player with the most value in the draft. I I think he was stunningly high on their draft boards compared to where the rest of the league had them. Now, that's, you know, even in one of the draft things I read yesterday, it literally said, like, Azabuke's got to go to the Milwaukee Bucks or the Utah Jazz. so it was definitely a fit to us as well. But I don't think it signals their lack of interest in a shooting five. Um, I think it signaled that they just thought Azabuke was a tremendously good fit for 
who the Jazz are, how they play, and what he matches. Well, I'll tell you, I jumped to that conclusion that they weren't interested in shooting five. And uh, the reason I did is I didn't think they could move Ed Davis. And they gave the Knicks two draft picks and they moved Ed Davis, who by all accounts is a really good guy, but they got him at exactly the time when his athletic ability slipped enough that he couldn't play anymore and he wasn't a serviceable backup and they largely tried not to play him. But now they've got a spot for a third big, so now I'm wondering if they're going to go out and get somebody who can shoot the three and then then Quinn Snyder have the option of, hey, what we're doing is working, so we're going to play as of weekend here and good luck, you don't get a break. Or, hey, we need something a little different, so I'm going to play this guy tonight, whoever this guy turns out to be, and we're going to go five out and shoot threes, and there's not going to be anybody in the paint. So I've asked the question to different people in different manners, but um, I think it's harder than we think to change the way you play in a game, both offensively and defensively. So really the problem with a shooting five might go to the other side. You probably now have to switch one through five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually have talked to enough coaches this summer because I was kind of hunting around on a similar topic. And the more I hear from people, it's pretty hard um, that to go switch the way you play inside of the game. I, I, I thought... I don't want to get into specifics, but I was talking about a certain player and whether or not they could do something. And it was a style, you know, a unique style for them. And like, do you think this player could do such and such? And the answer I got from a coach in the NBA was, yeah, if he played for, you know, this team. And it was that that style matches the way that team plays. And so, yeah, he could do that, but it better be on that team. And I countered with, well, what happens if you just did that for 14 minutes a night coming off the bench? And they were like, you can't do that. You can't. And it was interesting. So then I started asking around, and I thought it was really interesting. Then in just kind of off-season conversations, I've asked that question to most of the NBA people I've talked to. Is, Can you really play, you know, two different styles? And the answer has generally been no. And if you start thinking about around the league, there actually aren't many teams the only thing that might be close is the fact that Miami plays that zone as a different style of defense than they do. But frankly, they run it a lot. So, you know, like if you think about Boston, they kind of play the same style with all their guys. And you think about Houston and they played a unique different style with all their guys. And the Lakers got a little different if Anthony Davis was at the five, mm-hmm. but they didn't get a lot different. They still played the same offensive and defensive styles inside of that. So I think that might be the answer is that as long as you're, you have Rudy, you probably should try to have your other 14 minutes of center be similar to Rudy to be able to play in that style. The only player in free agency, and he's not good at this, but he does kind of do it, is Alex Len had a year where he shot some um, threes, and he's a drop big. So you could stay the same way defensively and play a little more pick and pop or put him in the corners, but it's not great. Who are we signing in free agency, guys? I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Um, no, probably not. Um, but I want to know what you think. Or you do, so and you don't want to tell us. Um, so <laughs> let's say we do re-sign Clarkson, and it gives us enough room 
with the movement of Ed Davis, with the movement of Tony Bradley, with the drafting of the slipping. I mean, they just have done a bunch of subtle, some subtle, not so subtle moves to be able to basically open up a second possibility of a second free agent spot. Like the little, the little trade down four spots in the draft is going to turn, could turn out to be a really big thing. It keeps them out of the apron. Um, so if we signing a free agent, who, what's your best guess? Let's say we re-sign Clarkson at a, a reasonable number. Um, and I think it's a very complicated negotiation because you could play really big hardball at him and piss him off. At the same time, you don't want to overpay him. So it's a, that's a complicated, complicated game that they have to play. But let's say they get that done. Then what? What are you doing next? I assume that they could go get another big. Um, but I don't know that. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to go into the series with two, go into the season with two bigs, and I can't. I mean, really, you're going to play Ingles and uh, Bogdanovich together as your small lineup and have them be your bigs? It does feel as though the quest to get better defensively than you're adding, you're trying to add some sort of four and sliding Bogdanovich to the three some of the time, right? Like, you suddenly get really big if Boyan is your three and Royce or Joe are playing some of their minutes at a two with Donovan and Mike, you know, alternating at the one. You suddenly got big. We're going to leave it there, David. We have to go. We've got the uh, assistant Kansas basketball coach coming up to tell us about oh, cool. Doke and get the oh, load in. I will, be, I will be tuned in to 1280 The Zone and 97.5, <laughs> the sports zone. All right. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get something uh, with an orange flavor that PK recommends. And he'll probably uh, recommend whatever you recommend. So ultimately, can, can that I it's break? Build Bar, man. Build Bar. That's the way to go. Build Bar. Am uh, I allowed to toss a uh, I haven't done this in a long time. Can I toss a break? I'm yeah. really excited about this. As yeah. long as you acknowledge you're going to go back and listen to Jim Beheim at 1280thezone.com. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are we ready? Let's see if I still have it. Okay. All right. Coming up next, the Kansas assistant coach. Find out more about Azabuke. If you missed it earlier today, Elijah Hughes, head coach. Jim Beheim, the legendary Syracuse coach, was on. That's available at 1280thezone. Remember, Scotty and Hans coming up right after this. And at 3 o'clock today, it's Jake and Gordon. It's all on 1280 The Zone 97.5.